friends, this is the Be Real Bay podcast, a place where your average Canadian wolf pack come together to talk about life stresses, messes, and successes. A safe space where being yourself is the ultimate goal. Each week we will bring you new episodes, sharing our experiences on a ton of different topics, in hopes we get a better understanding of ourselves, each other, and this crazy world we live in. We want to build a community where we can show up as ourselves, be real, and lay it all out there. By sharing our experiences, we hope to reach others who can relate so we can all help each other learn, grow, and heal. But please keep in mind, as a disclaimer, none of us here are professionals, no one is giving any advice, we are strictly speaking of our life experiences and for entertainment purposes only. Now with that being said, it's time, so grab your drink, grab your joint, and let's jump right in. Welcome back, everyone. We are so excited to be here and so excited to be on our second episode. I am your host, Brandy, and here with me today is my beautiful co-host, Kayla. Hey, guys. And today's episode is going to be all about us. In our first episode, we gave you a brief idea of who we are, what we're doing this for, and what's important to us. But it was also really important for you guys to know a little bit more about us. So to have a better understanding of who we are, how we grew up, and where we are now. We wanted to give our background in segments, so go back into our childhood, through our teens and 20s, and to our current life reality. We will, of course, dive deeper into things as we get into the show, but we wanted to give a general idea of the backgrounds. Let's start with childhood, and let's get right into it. How are you as a child, B? Okay, so let's jump into the first chunk of my life, shall we? I was born and raised on Vancouver Island in December 1986 specifically making me currently 34 years old. I started my little life in a tiny valley called Port Alberni, an adorable little town surrounded by mountains and right beside the ocean. My parents were very young parents, marrying just shortly after my birth and divorcing when I was around two years old. My biological father met my stepmother very early on in life, where my mother remarried to my stepfather when I was 12. My mom works so hard and around the clock as most single moms do. I definitely know I get my worth ethic from her. Despite all the shit she was going through, she always made sure I was taken care of. Sometimes she would work night shifts and I got to be with my aunts, which I absolutely loved. They were teenagers at the time, so they were always up for playing, always up for Disney movies and coloring. It made being a little girl and a kid so much fun. It was like having older sisters, but somehow with kind of more protection. They definitely helped shape the colorful and crazy person I am today. Growing up, my mom worked mainly as a caregiver for physically and and or mentally challenged individuals. I've always admired how much love she has for others, and it was always so apparent when she was working with the residents. I would go with her in the morning to catch the bus to school from her work, and I got to socialize with the residents most times. This opened my eyes to a world that I never knew existed. My empathy for others was born born and cultivated here for sure. As a young child, it blew me away to see the pure joy and kindness of the residents, although they had many struggles in life. It was inspiring to me. And also my mother as well. She was diagnosed with fibro... (laughs) fibromyalgia in her mid-20s and it was always in a lot of physical pain but she usually pushed through for it. Down the road she eventually went off into a job in the same field but a little less physical for her so she could heal properly from the accidents that we had been in. This is a really important piece of my childhood. I learned so much from my mom at this time and from all those around her. The residents, the other caregivers, it truly taught me what compassion for others is and what it's like to really show up for others. And to show, even though I was the only child, I was surrounded by people. They just weren't my age, technically. (laughs) When I stayed with my mom during the weekdays, I would spend alternative weekends with my grandfather, or sorry, my grandparents and my father. 
I really loved being raised by so many people. For a long time, I hated it, but now I see it's given me the ability to be more empathetic and more understanding to others as I see all sorts of perspectives on raising families and on growing up. But as a child, it was very confusing. I really value the different experiences I had growing up. Each family member has helped develop something in my life, whether it was learning about love, responsibility, growth, and compassion with my mom, to adventures with my grandparents, to being silly with my aunts and my cousins. They all shaped me. My childhood may have looked a bit broken up, but the glue that held me together was my family and the love that we have. It's not as if separate families were terribly uncommon in the 80s, but it definitely wasn't normalized as it is now, and I definitely felt very alone in that with my peers. My most fondest memories, though, were always the holidays. Christmas was always insane because I had so many split families that, and we were all super close. So it was really busy, busy day to day. You would go, open, thanks, buy, next, eat, go, open, thanks, buy, next, eat. And it was just chaotic sometimes. We didn't get to stop and breathe. And I remember I loved it and I hated it and I loved it. And now I know as an adult, I miss it. But I equally love the crazy holidays to the quiet ones that I have now and just feeling super grateful that I've experienced all types in my life because I know not everyone loves the holidays and I definitely do and I'm very grateful for my family and my childhood for making that so wonderful so I can carry that on in my adult life. Um, I was a ch- only child until about the age of 12 where both my parents started having their new families and it was baby central families as well. My aunt started having babies. There was babies everywhere and honestly... It was the best birth control. I was about 12. Not that I was having sex at 12, but getting into those conversations, it was just like I got to see how much work a baby was. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, the baby's cute. You know, at that age when you're 12 and you don't quite understand, you see the hard work it is and, you know, you see a lot of the stuff. And I was very hands on growing up with my brothers. My parents both had physical enablement. So I was helping at home a lot, doing a lot of chores and helping with baby day-to-day stuff. So it was really good birth control and understanding of the depth of what it is to actually be a parent, even though I wasn't even close to understanding, but you know, you get the idea. Um, I really wanted siblings too. So it was just kind of funny. I was like, oh, all of a sudden I didn't have any and bam, now you have a million going into my teenage years. And to be honest, there's a lot more important things in my mind than babies and family at preteen. Um, but I, and I was also moody AF, like anything they did annoyed me because I was at that age. Um, but I think if I would have had brothers earlier instead of preteen, it might've been a bit different, but all in all, I wanted a family and I definitely got it. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I was 12, I had so many problems, you know, you have so many at that time. It was also at this stage of my life that I started to be very aware that my body was different. I started to realize I was not eating like others were and not in the way that you'd think that I was worried about gaining weight. I was just super active and super busy and realizing now my eating issues are always because I'm high functioning and I ain't got the time, bro. As a kid, I just didn't have the time. There's so much to do. I didn't want to have FOMO. I needed to do all the things with all the people all the time. And I think being an only child made that also really hard in public and when I was with other people because it's like I didn't want to waste time doing something like that because I just wanted to spend all my time with them. It's kind of a weird way to think about it, but I think, you know, I just craved that connection. So when I had it, that was the most important thing. Um, so yeah, that's where my, some of my body issues and mental illnesses started coming about. And then, you know, I got glasses and, you know, I just hated that, you know, I was already struggling with people making comments about my lanky body. And now I had glasses, great four eyes, you know, they weren't as cool as they are now. There weren't, I promise you they weren't. And then I had, um, terrible teeth. So then of course that led to braces. So, you know, hot 
love that for me, even though we all go through it and we need to. And I don't know where this developed in my head where I thought that these were bad things or why I took comments like, oh, you got braces bad. I'm, I really have no idea, but I started noticing the comments and absorbing them in a weird way. It, it could have been anywhere from, you know, the entertainment industry at the time, you know, much music, all those things and teen bops and looking at that or um, the peers around me. Maybe I absorbed stuff without understanding that other people were struggling. Maybe I absorbed it. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the adults in my life that were learning to love themselves and on that journey, I think by no one's fault, I just absorbed some of those bad patterns for myself. And I think maybe it could be just combination, all of it. Looking back, it's really hard to pinpoint it, but and maybe it was the generation or maybe it's just something we all have to go through. I, I don't know. It, it would make total sense if all of us have to go through this. Um, I'm just more excited that the next generation is better equipped. And then of course the anxiety kicked in because yeah, you know, worrying about my body and what people were going to say about those kind of thing was enough. Let's just worry about fucking nothingness. Awesome. Dope. I would uh, do little things like make sure everything was in proper order, like the cur- uh, the cones at the rolling skating ring, like spending more of my time making sure to pick up after others and organize stuff instead of actually enjoy the moment. Um, I knew that then this was probably not a, like, I never really thought about it, but now looking back, I identify now that's when those issues started. I'm not entirely sure why, you know, we'll learn about that one day, but I'm really excited that now we can better equip the next generation to learn how to cope instead of maybe, you know, burying in a void, uh, for example. My childhood schooling career was somewhat normal. I went to an elementary school that was both English and French. I was in French immersion programs since I was in preschool. Yes, as early as preschool, you get to learn French. This means that I went to the same classes with the same kids basically my entire school career, which as an adult, I half wonder if that contributes to my social anxiety, but we'll unpack that another day. I was on the honor roll for most part of my elementary school career, landing on the principal roll a few few times. I know sometimes when I speak and I type, that's not apparent, you guys, but come on. That was like 20 years ago. (laughs) Uh, I never had less than a a B, usually an A A or A plus student, which I'm still proud of this day. Um, I didn't continue that the rest of my school career but hey at least we started out solid I think I was a pretty decent preteen. I don't think I was as problematic definitely as much as I was as a teenager but one thing I really did love was having the security of having the French immersion family around me it did feel isolating at times and I most definitely got teased about it yeah we know kids are assholes so I definitely got teased about being in French immersion Um, but I could care less now but as a young child that was really hard and it was like certainly whack in my brain But my friends from school were my jam. Being that my mom was single, we moved around often and it made it harder to make kind of neighborhood friendships. So I was super grateful for the class that I had and that I got to build a family there. But other than that, my school life at that young age was pretty tame. Um, It was also at the end of my childhood that I started to notice going into my teen years, though things like addiction and mental health illnesses that were around me. Not that I knew exactly that that was the problem, but I became hyper aware of some things not being somewhat normal Um, but either than that I had a pretty great childhood there definitely were trying times and some situations that weren't ideal or handled the best but going back now you know it's really hard seeing all these things as bad things everyone is always learning and trying to do better and I don't really hold bad about that to anyone I still have a lot of healing and forgiveness for myself and others to do don't get me wrong but it's hard to look back now and be angry about anything it's more just like trying to understand and growing and you know still a little hurt and heal but once you start focusing on moving forward and accepting the past I think it it really does get easier to look back as an adventure with ups and downs Without the downs, I wouldn't be the strong, empathetic person I am today. And without the ups, 
I don't think I'd ever crave to be more, to be passionate, to always grow and evolve. I look back now at my childhood and I'm super grateful for who it, who it shaped me in instead of focusing on the bad shit that happened. I think, I think that's the beauty of it. So that's kind of a wrap up of my childhood. Um, I'll dive deeper into my preteens, teenagers and 20s in my next segment here. But let's stop for a second about me and let's flip this over to Kayla and hear what her childhood was all about. All right. Thank you, Brandy, for giving us that insight into little B. I've really loved getting to know you throughout this podcast production phase. So with that, let's talk about baby K. As you all know, in the previous episode, I mentioned that I was adopted. Um, I was adopted at three and a half. So I spent, you know, a fair amount of time in my early, early childhood in foster care and you know, from what I remember, I don't really, honestly, I don't remember a lot. So it's just like not something I'm going to talk about. Uh, I don't have all the pieces and I just don't feel right coming on and talking about it. Cause you know, there, there, I have, I have extent, I have family out there somewhere that I just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say something that's going to alarm them or hurt them in any way. So I just, I'm going to leave that one kind of closed and we're going to talk about Kayla pre or pre pre Kayla pre we're going to talk about Kayla after adoption and what that was like and how being adopted and my family and everything like that like I honestly guys had really I had a really good childhood I had really amazing parents they were very solid people um I remember really early really early on something my mom had said to me when she adopted me that she was like you know I will never let you go. Like you're here now. I've got you. I will never let you go. And that stuck with me. And it's super sad that I was so hard on her for as long as I was. Cause looking back, like she's always had my back and it, you know, it's um, pretty amazing to say the least. So, um, early childhood adopted at three and a half. I, the story I want to tell, like the little brief story I want to tell is when I first met my family. So when I first met them, I'm like tiny. I'm walking up with my social worker and we get to this place and I remember like, I remember it being nice. Like for some reason, when I think of home, I always think of my parents' house back on the acreage. So even now I'm like 30. So I still think about it like that. Uh, The first meeting ever, I remember walking up with the social worker, like I said, and I'm holding her, his or her hand, the memory's vague there. And we get to this door and there's a knock, we knock and then um, these two adults come and they're exchanging greetings with the social worker. And I'm just kind of like, wow, these people are so much bigger than me. Just off in my own little three, three-year-old world there. And next thing you know, the two adults in the doorway kind of separate because a small hand comes through and it's this person my size. And he's asking if I want to play. And you guys, that was it. Like I was sold. I knew like, this is home. This is where I belong. This is going to be the, this is going to be so good. And yeah, no, that, that was like that memory always, that's the one that I always like, that's home that my meeting my brother for the first time, he was also adopted, uh, two different families, two different stories. Um, super close though, super close throughout childhood. And now, um, yeah, no, I, I just had a lot of issues, you know, like adoption was amazing. Getting adopted was amazing. Having a place to be forever was amazing. Uh, But I just had already had predetermined thoughts in my mind that no matter what, like people were always going to leave. So I just didn't really think or act or care too much 
let's say, care too much about how I acted when I was younger. And I, to say the least, you know, I'm three and a half. So let's keep that in mind. I was three and a half. I acted out a lot though, because I, like I said, I just, I didn't think that it was going to last. I didn't trust it. I had, you know, I, you know, if I was in trouble or started getting in trouble, I would act out because it was like, oh, okay, they, maybe they're going to get rid of me. I don't know. That's really sad to say that. And I, I kind of, I don't like saying that, but I, that's a cynic, a scenario that I was th- going through. I believe that there was a home that I lived in that I left. And I remember, you know, I remember it was like, it was nighttime. And that was a very strange thing to me. So just little bits and pieces that kind of warped my sense of reality as a child kind of brought with me into my new living situation. And I mean, the person who saw that the most was definitely my mom. She was the one that did, you know, school, get ready for school, get all our stuff ready for school, get us to school our preschool or wherever we were going, we did spend time. uh, My mom had a friend that actually was actually, it was amazing because she had kids as well. So we did spend time a lot there and our parent, our, like our parents were like, they were friends. So it was actually kind of fun. Like we, uh, we did a lot of stuff with them and it was quite amazing. And she really helped my mom out. And so like, that was huge. (laughs) Both my parents worked and um, yeah, I don't know. It was great. Like I grew up in, on like on an acreage like I said just outside of Wembley and I loved it like we we grew we just grew up so well I think we were secluded from the city in a way that you know it wasn't we weren't too country bumpkin but we also weren't too like obnoxiously city kids so I'm not no offense like city kids you're great I love city kids but for us like I loved where I grew up and so yeah I went to school in Wembley uh, kindergarten, preschool, kindergarten through to grade seven. And I had a pretty easy childhood that way. Like I, I was a go-getter. I made friends. Um, I remember the neighbor was one of our very first friends. He was the same age as us. We also had another neighbor who was the same age as us who lived like the end of the block. A lot of the kids on my block, we all went to the same school together. So that was kind of nice. And then, you know, life and stuff, everything changes after that. But it is what it is. Uh, yeah. So good relationship. Love my parents. Like love, love, love them. Um, I was a daddy's girl, I think for sure. So definitely like I was more hard on mom and I was a bit of a shit to my brother too. Like, so that poor kid (laughs) often I like look back and I'm like, did he turn out like that? Because I was so mean to him, you know, like those little things you think, is it my fault? (laughs) Shit. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, that's, you know, that's pretty, pretty vanilla. That's, that's kind of how it went. Like my life after I got adopted was so substantially different, stable. And, you know, my mom, even though I gave her the hardest time on earth, she just fought and fought and fought to love me. She just wanted to love me and love me and love me. She really, really honed in on love being the cure of all. And I wish I hadn't have been so hard on her. <laughs> I wish I would have trusted. I wish I would have like just let my guard down and listen. But I guess that's kind of, you know, you can't you can't win them all. Uh, uh, and I'm in that place now where it's just like my childhood. I don't have the same feelings about it. That's why if anyone was like expecting me to come on here and really just hone in on the negatives, like, I don't know, it's really not like that for me. It's not about that. I don't want to. Uh, what do I I don't want to brand myself like that. So. I did have, there were little things, hiccups and blips in my childhood that affected me, but 
I've come to a place now as an adult that where I just, it's not that harsh to me anymore. I've learned the lesson from within the situation or scenario and I just hold no, I just hold no shit over it anymore. You know, I've just, I've fought for a long time and I don't want to do that. And I don't like doing that. So I've just decided like, whatever it is, what it is. And I'm going to let my free flag fly, like whatever I'm good with it. So, yeah, I mean, not too many juicy things. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. I had a good life. I really am blessed for being adopted and being adopted by the two people who adopted me and having the life that I had and being raised in the home that I was raised in with the, the morals and the standards and just the wholeness. It was really perfect. So, you know, I can't complain. And I think that's pretty much all I really want to dig up with my childhood. So I think I'm going to pass the mic back over to you, B-Girl, and uh, let's hear about your teens and 20s. Were you a rowdy little fucker like me? <laughs> I love it. Oh, you know there was fuckery going on. I just don't know. I think I might have smoked it all my through my memory. Just kidding. <laughs> that was so great. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know both of us have been working really hard to bring this episode into play, and it's really hard to really describe in a... 30 minutes segment to 45 minutes your whole life, but you did an excellent job. So now heading back into my story and heading back into my preteens, as I said, I was just starting to get siblings. So my family life had just taken a big change at this very pivotal moment in my life. I was no longer the full attention of my parents anymore. They had new kids, not saying that that was on purpose, but at that age, I didn't really understand the difference. I just figured I wasn't important anymore. And I just figured they had a new child to care about. It's not as if anyone ever said anything like that at all. That's just what I assumed, and I honestly didn't know how to communicate that, which obviously is my own issue, (laughs) but it's nice now knowing that uh, we have way more open communication, and I know how to communicate when things make me anxious or unsure, and so I'm really grateful that we had that at early on so that I could learn how to deal with those types of situations. As time went on, I helped a lot around the house until I moved out at 18 years old, doing many chores and helping my parents with the boys as much as possible. I know my mother really wanted me to learn how to be responsible and care for things. And let me tell you, I thought she was putting me through hell and I thought she was doing something vengefully. (laughs) I think that's what most teenage girls or young girls probably feel, but I definitely felt like she was out to get me, even though I know she wasn't at all. She just wanted me to contribute, which was fair, and also learn valuable lessons as I grow up. In hindsight, it was good for me. Um, Way more good than bad, and she was totally right. She knows that and I've admitted that now because I learned really quickly that life is a lot and it takes a lot to take care of a household and the more you take care of things, the longer they last. And that's not just in materials, that's in relationships as well. So she really taught me taking care of your home and you know how much work it really was. So it wasn't as shocking when I went out into the real world because I knew how much work it is to take care of a home with or without children in them. Um, it's still a lot of work. Uh, So that's one thing I definitely take forward and I absolutely love learning that lesson. I was doing decently well in elementary school and I wasn't really problematic until I was about high school. If, If I was really all that problematic, I'm not sure. Junior high was an awkward and terrible time though. <laughs> Nothing is more awkward than a 13 year old in the 90s, okay? I tried to do my makeup. There was white eyeliner and blue shadow involved and I actually ironed my hair pin straight. Oh my goodness, looking back at the pictures just literally pains my insides. But I'm really grateful that these pictures aren't posted online. Um, Gen Z, be warned, 
you know, we thought we were, what we were doing at the time was cool too. And, and now just fucking look at us. Okay. With our, with our side parts and our skinny jeans. Just kidding. I'm never, I look like a murderer when I do a middle part. So I'm okay looking like I'm a millennial in, in my old things. And you know, you know, what's even better is how I love is that we didn't have social media. And now all of these memories are <laughs> imprinted in eternity on social media. So your Akotako teenager years are going to be all on there if you post them. Mine are strictly saved in my Playboy Bunny album with printed photos from my film camera. Yes. Yes, that is how I captured our memories was by a film camera. I know my mind is blown too. Junior high is also the time that things got a little wild at school. They started changing our classes from French to English and threw us in classes with teachers who had no French experience. Um, So, you know, to explain that a little for those that maybe don't understand is it's not like we grew up learning, okay, in French, in science, for example, this this is a like you just learned what things were it wasn't like you learned what the translation was at least I didn't or take the time so I learned everything in French so when it got switched to English um you know math of course was was hard obviously a bit easier because numbers don't really change but a lot of the way things are written and the way things were done that changed and the fact that there was no as the same of my peers that I had been so used to having with me, that was like my little family, you know, so now I start to wonder if that did give me separation anxiety <laughs> uh, a lot, but you know, math and English turned to English in grade eight and science went to English in grade 10. And I struggled hard with that because those were already subjects that I wasn't the greatest in. And then now all of a sudden now I don't have my peers with me. I'm not speaking French anymore. I'm speaking English. So if I didn't know the translation, I really struggled with that. So whoever's fucking cockamamie idea that was, thanks. That, that I, I really appreciate that, you know, as if being a French student wasn't hard enough, let's shake it up some more. Very, very lame. But we got through it. We learned. We grow. So thank you. And I hope you don't do that to kids now. (laughs) I did end up graduating in French immersion, though, with a bilingual diploma. My grandparents promised me that they would take me to Paris if I graduated with it. So you bet your ass I did. Uh, My grades in high school were not as good as my younger days. But, you know, what's a girl got to do? There's pit parties and booze and boys and fun. And that was exciting. And it was far more fun than being in school. But in all fairness, I did um, take... I did take one year of business administration right after high school, so straight into college, and that did build me a foundation that I have today. And I also got to venture around Europe with my grandparents for a few weeks, and it was worth every class and every moment of hating school. <laughs> uh, but I definitely appreciate that experience, not only going to Europe and and um, checking things out there, but also finishing something from start to finish, even though... Um, there was definite definite setbacks. I definitely appreciated what it taught me and all that, even though at the time I was really struggling. Um, medically, in my teenage years, I started having massive issues with my period early on, making it an easy decision to go on hormonal birth control when I was 14 to help with the cramps and the acne mainly. And of course, if I became sexually active, then I was just being safe, not saying at 14 I was expecting to do that. But um you know, it was just better to be prepared as a lot of people around me had had early uh, child children early, a bit earlier. And that's definitely not something that I necessarily felt like I was able to cope with at that age. Um, I was until I was 16 that I, that I was sexually active and I was really, really proud of that. And the reason why I want to bring up um, this is because we definitely want to open up more conversations about 
hormonal birth control and the things that us uh, girls in our age and our generation that went through. I know, boys, that's not as exciting for you guys, but, you know, maybe it does explain a little bit of your crazy girlfriends and some of the shit that we had to go through um, because for myself, I have a really big story with that as well. But in short, um, I had really bad cramps. I'd have to go to the hospital. It was terrible. So I went on and off different types of birth control, all different kind of pills, and I had really bad cramps to the point where they thought I had endometriosis. Um, I was never diagnosed with it, nor have I been lately, but now looking back, now having a miscarriage in my adult life, I feel like the pain's very similar to what I went through when I was younger, so I'm very curious if that's what it was, but either way, I would be dying at work trying to make it through a whole shift, Uh, especially, it usually happened at Dairy Queen, and it was when I was in the kitchen shift in the middle of summer, and it'd be friggin' 30-something, 50-plus degrees in there, and I would just be wanting to throw up because I was going through so much pain. It felt like my uterus was trying to escape from my stomach, and it was so hot. Oh, it was terrible. But um, then that led to pain pills um, because that shit wasn't happening on Tylenol 3. As a matter of fact, I felt amazing. It was such a relief. And, you know, of course, then it developed a slight pill addiction in my later teens, um, using Tylenol 3 to cope with my period pain. And at the time, I went through accidents Maybe we'll open that one day, but physically I've been beat up quite a bit in different car accidents, whether that was myself being through a couple or a decently bad one with my mom. Um, My body was pretty banged up and so it felt better and then it also felt better not just for my physical, but it was, you know, mentally able to just kind of detach from all that too. Um, Later in my teens though, I spent more time smoking weed and drinking and the accidents had gone by and it didn't really feel my life once... I healed up. I wasn't really, um, medication wasn't too much in my life then, but once I recovered from my accidents a little bit more and the pain had lessened from finding a birth control that, you know, subsided that pain as much, I didn't need to use them. But later in life, it was really easy to slip back into the mindset of pills fix everything. And I definitely will jump into that down the road, but I definitely got caught up in a lot of that. And another thing to add during this time as well is due to taking medication a lot, of course, I didn't have an appetite. So then again, I was like super skinny, but then I had this like skinny fat where I was thin, but it wasn't good. It wasn't, I wasn't, my body wasn't holding on to stuff. And of course, I didn't know anything about nutrition at the time or even really how to drink water, you know, things that probably could have helped with that. Um, But of course, comments were made and it was a really hard time for me. So that just made things and made me hate my body even more because, you know, I was finally not feeling the pain and those types of things, but then my body wasn't reacting great to the lifestyle that I was living as well. And, you know, and of course... that led to lack of cleavage. Uh, You know, I've been a part of the itty bitty titty committee since I was 13. My boobs just never came in, you guys. I don't know, fucking whatever. Um, I wasn't okay with it then, um, but definitely at 34, I don't hate it as now as much as I did in my teens and my early 20s, but I definitely used to wear double bras to make everything like look like I had stuff, you know, all those things. But I felt like I just was trying to make the outside package look a lot better than what I was feeling on the inside for sure and I'm so glad I'm past that and I look back at pictures and I do feel you know somewhat sad and I'm bummed out that that's uh, a lot of what my life was but I'm so grateful that I had the experience to grow up now and it, it really helped me through a hard time so grateful for all things as as I go through this too like I'm not mad or upset you know obviously I wish I could have done things a little bit smarter, but that's a part of your story, right? So to carry on, in my work career as a teenager, I worked for my nan's bookstore a lot when I was younger to being on my own paper route, 
to working at A&W when I was 16 and then on to Dairy Queen for a few years. I loved my job at Dairy Queen. It was one of my favorite jobs ever. It was so fast paced. Um, there's such a great work family there. There was always something to do. It was definitely one of my favorite jobs, except for when I was going through that, um, the stuff with my period, obviously that was trash. But when I was really warm, there was deep freezers and I thought I was going to be sick. I would just go sit in there and it would cool me down for a second. It was, it was actually a huge relief. Um, but after Dairy Queen, I went to my first official job out of college to a home heating company as a receptionist. I felt really great to have gotten a job in admin as that's how I wanted to start my climb. I wasn't really sure that I wanted to get it, dedicate years and, and tons of money to schooling on something I wasn't sure I wanted to do, but at least if I could get in the door in a business and work my way up, that would be one way if I choose, or if I just decided down the road to go back to school to do more, at least this would kind of set me above from those that maybe just had a high school education. Not saying that's a bad thing, but it was very competitive at that time. That's when, you know, I don't know, Port, Port Alberni was like really super busy at one point and then it went really downhill. So it was a really good time to get into places when I first got out, but that, that changed quickly. It was great in, in, intro to the office work though. That's where I knew no matter what I wanted to do in life, I knew I could start here and always come back to administration. When I was in high school, I took my electives and I did work experience with the high school secretaries and it really just sh showed me what I liked about it, that it was fast paced, the organization of it, it, it soothes what I would call my OCD. Um, so I really enjoyed that and I actually, for the longest time, wanted to be a receptionist at the school board because I just, I loved being able to help all the teachers, but I didn't want to be a teacher and I loved being able to help the, you know, students, but not to the degree where their education was in my hands. Um, but yeah, anyways, after being let go from my job um, in the home heating company due to the state of the economy, I went waitressing at local restaurant, eventually making my move to Alberta. Financially, I was struggling so hard after losing my job. I had gotten a settlement for an accident and had no idea what management money management was. And to be honest, I'm not sure that I do now either. <laughs> we can't be perfect everything, I guess. But I had built a lifestyle that I was really used to and very young. And that switched really quickly when I lost my job and went from making a decent wage to waitressing almost part time. I learned a very, very valuable lesson really early though. My car got repossessed and it was such a shock. Since I didn't truly grasp my situation, it got ahead of me. And weeks before I was moving to Alberta, the this financial hole just caught up to me and I basically was two car payments behind and I had a choice and the money that I had saved that I was, you know, I was just hoping that if I made it to Alberta, I could just kind of catch myself back up, but it definitely caught up to me. Um, so I could either stay and try to survive and make it back up, which was almost impossible at that point to get a job or take the hit and try to rebuild my credit and move out of the province and let go of my car. And I did that. I moved to Red Deer. I started the next part of my life in the Great North. And although that repossession haunted me for years, it actually prevented me from making stupid decisions seven to up to seven, about eight years after the fact, and made me pay for almost everything I had in my 20s. So although it was difficult to, you know, have the bad, bad credit, it prevented me from piling on more debt. So I think in, in hindsight, it, it wasn't the worst thing. Um, because at least I grew up a little bit money management wise. And, uh, yeah, definitely that that's that was a big lesson for me. Big big lesson um on my move. And uh, I first moved to Red Deer, then I moved on to Al uh sorry to Grand Prairie after. Although I love the city of Red Deer, um I just wasn't happy with the person I was there. I was being very similar to the person that I was trying to move on from and grow from. I was 
just the same girl from Port Alberni, but just in Red Deer and a bit colder without a vehicle and super lost. So I was am very grateful and still very grateful for my now ex-husband that helped me move from Red Deer to Grand Prairie. This is where I really started to take a shift to the next chapter of my life. And I really owe that part of my life um, and saved me there to him to getting me to where I am now. And um, yeah, so that's kind of a wrap up of my 20s and my teenage years. I mean, I dealt, continually dealt with my um, drug addiction on and off through my 20s. We'll get into that when we get into more drug addiction. I definitely tried to spend most of my 20s being someone who I thought everyone wanted me to be more as than doing stuff that I really, really loved. And then when I started slowly learning who I really, really loved, things started to change, which we'll jump into in the next segment here. But I definitely continue to struggle, especially with the drug addiction, um, with my body problems and neglect for sure of nutrition. I did not start taking care of my body until my mid mid to late 20s when, you know, of course, when you're going to be a bride and you, you think about those things and you want to be in shape. Um, but yeah, dealing with all those sorts of things and moving provinces where you have no one and you feel very lost and not knowing anybody. But we'll jump into that in the next section. That was kind of a highlight of my career and where my schooling was and where I kind of went. And I will explain a little bit more about my life in Grand Prairie and where I am now. But let's pass the mic back to Kayla and let's hear what I know there's going to be some some badass stuff coming in the teenage years and the early 20s of this one's life. So let's go back to Kayla and see see what her next chapter was all about. Okay, so honestly, I just really got to throw this out there. I wish that we had crossed paths, but there's a reason we didn't. And so here we are together now in our adult lives. Who knows what would have happened had we met back then? Because I was a bit of a bitch. So I'm just going to go out there and put that down right now. Uh, My teens, I really just shifted. I started just really not giving a shit about anything, specifically myself. I really didn't care. Um, That kind of just had to do with my poor me attitude, you know? I really walked around with a fucking chip on my shoulder for a long time uh not super pumped about that but you know it is what it is it's part of who I am it's part of where I came from so to lay it out for real I think uh it was like yeah grade seven I had a situation happen that really altered my view of life and how things should be so following that I just decided like I don't give a crap anymore I don't want to if I don't If I don't care about me, then I can't get hurt. If I don't care about me, then no one else can care about me and I can't get hurt. So that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, it's going to get, it's going to get a little, a little quiet, like a little darker here. Not super dark because like, again, I don't want to really brand myself on who I was and who I used to be. That's not really, I honestly, like I'm not even close to the same person. So Um, it's also very difficult to talk about yourself when you don't resonate with the feelings that you used to have when you felt that way, you know, like, um, I've given a lot of time and effort to hating and being angry and it just got me nowhere. So I was like, what else? Like, let's heal then. So, uh, yeah, teens and twenties, uh, shit. Yeah. Grade seven had the, had a situation and it was really 
mind altering. So I didn't have the best coping skills either. I really just didn't understand it. So it pushed me to the edge and I just let go and said, let's jump. Fuck it. Uh, I don't want to do this anymore. So I started getting a little rowdy and, you know, I think I, I think I got invited to my first party when I was in grade seven by a boy that I thought was so hot. So I was, I was moving on up in a different way when I, you know, was like, fuck it. I don't care anymore. I have no rules, no whatever. Things kind of changed. You know, I hit puberty as well. That kind of probably helped a lot, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Grade seven was, uh, the last of it and then I kind of decided like from here I'm done I don't want to be in this place this school anymore um I wanted to go somewhere else I wanted to try something different so I begged my mom like begged her to let me go to Holy Cross in Grand Prairie I had a friend uh that went there she had left Wembley as well and she was transferred there and so I was like okay cool I'll go there too and me and this girl like we were two peas in a pod we like to not follow the rules and do whatever the hell we wanted. So like we, we got along well and it worked, worked great for me that way. And I think it worked great for her that way too. Um, we're, we're still, I actually still know her. It's funny. So if you're listening and you know who you are, like, what's up? <laughs> Shout out. Um, anyways. Yeah. So I begged my mom to let me transfer. Uh, there was a fear, a huge fear for me around going to high school in Beaver Lodge, given that I, have the skin color I have I was worried that I was going to get picked on and it was kind of also predetermined in the little brain by people like oh what's where are you going to go to high school are you going to go to are you going to go to Beaver Lodge it's going to be scary there you know like so that kind of thing plus my own fear around it I just you know I just I was afraid so I literally was like mom I don't want to go I don't want to go I don't want to go please don't make me go and so she let me go to Holy Cross and when I transferred to Grand Prairie, things really shifted in a different direction because the dark, angry, not give a fuck Kayla was like, oh, these people are lovely. And, you know, there were still like some that were just shit bags. But I mean, I think that's everybody's childhood. Uh, grade eight was amazing. I remember meeting so many new people, meeting new teachers and again, having a new sense of hope kind of restoring after a year of not giving a shit and really diving off the deep end, you know, grade seven, how freaking old are you in grade seven? Like, I don't even know. I just know with grade nine, I was like 15, 14, 15. So yeah, frick, you're young in grade eight, grades, even grade seven. So it's pretty young for partying, but yeah, I started doing that stuff. I liked drinking. I really liked smoking pot. And like that became very evident later on that I was doing those things because I liked the way it made me feel versus how I felt when I wasn't on those things or drinking or whatever. And I, you know, I, it got to the point where I kind of really think that I abused it for a better lack of a term. Um, I became so reliant on being the life of the party and making sure that I was always available and never saying no really. And just being fucking wild. Like I was wild. I was a wild child. I remember a hundred percent. I just was like, nope. <laughs> I've always been kind of feisty, kind of fiery. And that's still true to this day. But if you knew me then, I would really say like, wow, night and day difference to who I am now. But uh, 
it's part of who I am. It's part of what I am. It's part of where I've been. Like, it's just part of my story. So I have no shame around it. I'm kind of like, oh, you were a bit of a redneck, rowdy little redneck Kayla. <laughs> Shit. Um, so yeah, teens and twenties, uh, grade eight, it's Holy Cross. And then, you know, grade eight, that was it. So we had a graduation dance after that. And then we moved to the high school. So it was grade nine through grade 12. And that's kind of where things started to kind of go boop, 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 shift back the other way. You start getting different kind of attention from now boys that are much older than you. And that's like a lot in itself. So I really, it was a really shifty time as well. And I was still kind of trying to figure out who I was. I'm like, I'm in band class and I freaking love it. So that gives you kind of an idea. I came in hot off the press and I was like, band class. I'm going to play the flute. I'm going to love the shit out of it. Honestly, in all seriousness, I did some really cool stuff with band class. Like we did take trips and we did play really well as an ensemble. I thought, you know, it's a lot for grade nine students. You're doing so many things, but band class was cool. I regret like dropping that. I really regret that, but I dropped it because I think I did judo at the time. So I didn't have a lot of time for band class because I was training doing judo. So that's another thing about me. Um, I remember as a child, actually, I was in Girl Scouts and I remember going to one of my brother's tournaments and I was like, this has got to be the coolest fucking thing I have ever seen. Why do I wear a vest with badges when I can wear pajamas and fight people? Like, cool. (laughs) And it kind of hones in on who I am as well. Like, I did fight a lot. Not super proud of that. So sorry, mom. But uh, it's true. Um, With the rowdy attitude came rowdy fists. So I was a little out of the box that way. But yeah, judo, judo was amazing. Judo was a lifesaver. It really, really, really did a lot for me. It gave me discipline in a way that I never had before. You know, you couldn't swear on the mats. You couldn't, you couldn't do anything really on the mats that was disrespectful in any way, or you were going to drop and do push-ups, or you were going to do burpees, or you were going to have to run lines, you know? So that might sound harsh to some people, but I know like a lot of other kids probably had some similar experience at one point in their lifetime on a team uh, like hockey or whatever, you know, it's, it's going to be similar in some ways, but that really gave us a sense of pride and a sense of honor. We had a lot of honor in who we were on those mats. And I freaking loved judo. Like I love that sport so much. I got to see some of the coolest things and go some of the coolest places and do be and experience some of the most incredible things. And with that, you know, other shit pops up too. Like it's not all sunshine and daisies, but it's definitely not all dark and dingy and bad and gross either. Um, So judo, Judo is yeah, grade nine and ooh, grade 10. The very first boy I ever told I love, man. Ooh, he's he was, yeah, that was uh that was grade 10. That was intense. Grade 10. And then, you know, grade 11, grade 12, like school was a little rough for me. Once I hit grade nine, there were people that made fun of me for ah. Uh, You know, back then it felt like it was like, oh, they just hate me. But really now I looking at it now, I'm just like, I'm sad because I know that they were just hurting themselves. And, you know, that that makes me feel sad because I was probably not that nice either. So uh, there's a lot of that going back and forth, the tit for tat kind of shit. But it's all like it is what it is. you, You either let it make you or break you, you know. So I just decided like, no, 
I'm not going to bow down and just take this shit. So that's kind of where the rowdier side of me kind of extended from. I was like so tired of being quiet and so tired of being pushed around and called names. And, you know, that kind of exploded after a while. And then I reverted back to the same mindset that I had when I left Wembley in grade seven. I was like, okay, well, fuck this. Fuck you guys. Like, I don't stand for this. (laughs) And I remember actually the very first time I had done something about it. I was like telling my dad and he was like, well, you know, the funny thing is, is he was, I was expecting him to be happy, but he wasn't. He was like disappointed that I fought this girl. And I was like, well, dad, I stood up for myself. And I actually have a lot of respect for that now, but um, grade 11. Yeah. That's kind of grade 10, 11. That's where it shifted again. We had seen a lot of, uh, we had a lot of deaths young. They started young. We were, Grade nine, I think, when my brother, no, before that, grade seven, we lost someone really close in grade seven to my brother, to all of us. Um, and then it just kind of kept trickling down like that, grade nine. You know, my brother lost his best friend, and that was, fuck, that was intense. I'll never forget that day. Um, that impacted us. And I remember crying at the school, being so upset. And this, like, this really sweet girl came up to me and she was like, Oh, are you okay? And you know, she asked if I was okay. And I was like, no, I'm really not. And she just sat with me and that's a girl that I'll remember. And like you, you'll know who you are too. If you're listening, it's I'm probably not going to say names. I don't want to bring, you know, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to drag shit up like that. But uh, this girl really changed the name of the game for me. And I was like, you know what, maybe they're not all bad, whatever. Um, I'm still talk to her to this day. You know, we'll, be randomly back and forth like how's it going we are all grown up now and doing our own lives but it's neat you know to kind of tell you guys these stories and have these people that I do still talk to or that I have had contact with so yeah we really got put through the ringer in our freaking teens we really really did there was a lot of crazy messed up shit that happened that really I had no idea how to cope with and honestly to be frank to be a hundred percent frank I don't think our parents knew how to cope with us coping with this, I don't think they were equipped. Like there were stories my parents told us about their childhoods that like blew my freaking mind, like blew it. And then, you know, it's a whole other ball game to have your kid going through something that you just can't explain to them. Like, well, why'd this person have to die? And it's like, shit, I don't know. And so stuff got dark again. Stuff got really dark. Grade 11, grade 12. I just, I didn't do much class. I didn't go to class much. I didn't give a shit about class. I was a very, unique person uh in the sense that I didn't have one crowd of friends I actually could hang out with whoever I was pretty popular you know I had I had no issues that way I was just a mean girl I was mean I was angry and it wasn't really mean on like purpose I want to say that because it's kind of makes me sound like I'm tooting my own horn but like I didn't want to be mean I just didn't know how to be better so that's kind of how that stayed for a long time and I carried I hung I held on to shit like I really held on to the shit, the shitty shit of shit. And that just kind of literally after high school trailed on into my life after, uh, one of the biggest things that ever happened was someone passed away that was so, 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 so close to everybody. So freaking close to everybody. And, um, I think we were just out of high school and just graduated and you know, that, that, that situation was like, you know, you can keep going with this, the way that you're going to go. You can keep acting the way that you're acting, but if you don't 
change your life. You know, you're going to, you're going to regret it or you're going to end up like that. So, um, oh, heavy. Sorry, guys. Heavy. Um, you know, I just kind of coasted after high school. It was like, I'm free. I'm done. I can't, I don't need to, I don't need to be a part of this anymore. I don't need to, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't need to struggle through this anymore. I can be whoever I want to be. And, you know, I, I wanted to try and I definitely did try, but because of the choices that I made my entire life, I, I don't know. It was just like bad habit. Like I was, it was a force in nature for me that bad habits would just keep arising and keep happening. I just didn't have the tools to pull myself out of dumb shit and not do dumb shit. I just really kept not caring and kept being an asshole to myself and getting mixed up with the wrong people. And, you know, 20 was hard. 20, my twenties were some of the most intense years of my life. Uh, you know, I had my son in there as well. And I was 24 when I got pregnant with my son. And looking back, I, I remember thinking and wanting it so badly and being so ready and just honest to God. What a trip, man, like 24. And that doesn't sound that young or that old. You know, it's just like, I just now looking back, I'm like, I was so not ready. Like me on my own mentally was not ready for that. You know? you know, so yeah, even now I think about it and I'm so thankful for my boy because having him really forced me to drop the act and get right. Like in all aspects of my life, there was no more doing whatever the fuck I wanted. I really had to become responsible. And I think that was the best, one of the absolute best things that's ever happened to me honest to God, like thankful for that every single day that that happened. Um, so yeah, I think that's really good for this piece. I know I'm really dying to move forward and hear my fellow babies life now, girl, show me the magic. Thank you so much for sharing that part of your life with us. I so value your life story. Like I just, I learn so much every single time we get together and I just can't wait to learn more. So to carry on on the final chunk of my life story, ending with where I'm at now. After the move from Red Deer to Grand Prairie, I really spent a lot of time trying to recreate this person I thought I wanted to be. I had my party times, of course, but I really wanted to buckle down, really focus on my career, start taking care of my body better, and finding some piece of home in the North. After getting into the dental field for a few years, working with an array of dentists, some the most amazing, some the most terrifying and crazy, I jumped over to strictly office work with no receptioning anymore with a home security company. I really love this change up, although I love dealing with clients and with customers. I really enjoy just getting work done and being able to you know listen to music and podcasts and let's say Netflix in the background while getting work done. That was a whole new level to me and I love that. But not long after, that op an opportunity opened up for me to start at a new instrumentation company and work with them to run the office. It was the first really big opportunity I had to prove to, that I could do something with my life and everything that I had learned would help build something. And I'm very proud of the work I did there. Starting out as an admin, I earned my way up to manager. Although I was the only employee in the office, so it's not like I had to fight other people, I still took this as, as a huge success and I wore many hats with that company and I felt like I did really great things in my time. But after three years of working really hard there, it was time for me to move on. Sometimes you just know when things are coming to an end and I was desperately looking for a fresh start. I really wanted to take all I had learned and apply it to a new environment and see where that took me, which is exactly what I did. 
After another year in the oil field environment, I went on to manage Grand Prairie's first recreational cannabis store, leading me to a job in inventory for a cannabis company here in BC. Literally my dream job. I remember saying to myself in the summer after my divorce that I wish I could just work with weed. Like if I could just have a job in cannabis, it would just be so much easier. Something that I believed in, something that made me feel like I was helping the world heal and do better and progress and it's just crazy how things work. And every single job that I've had that led up to that one today, um, it's brought me to this job and I couldn't be more grateful for all the lessons, good and bad, that I learned along the way. I'm really, truly grateful. The one that I'm at now, though, I want this one to be my forever home. I just, I kind of have a feeling and if not, feel free to call me out on this down the road. (laughs) Every time I start with a new place, I'm very convinced that this is going to be my next forever home and I do feel that way now so let's hope that's the same coming true but career-wise the later part of my life it was really awesome I learned a lot I'm very excited of where I am and I'm really excited of where I'm intending to go but that being said career being better my anxiety was at all-time high on and off during this period of my life more than any other period in my lifetime or maybe I was just more aware of it now I learned early on that some things really just are stepping stones and great lessons and not every place, person, or thing will always be for you. But it took me a long time to learn that and my anxiety came out swinging hard during those times, really leading me to to believe that I was literal trash for these failed careers or failed opportunities or redirection was very, very negative. I didn't have the ability to see the power and the goodness that is redirection and the universe usually pushing you in the right places. I didn't understand that then as much as I do now for sure. The really odd thing though is when I started to physically take care of myself and for the first time in my mid-30s, I started working out and eating better. Then my anxiety was pretty good once I felt established in GP. For a short while though. Uh, (laughs) I thought that everything would be good. I was taking care of myself. It was gone. And then I started teaching fitness classes and a whole new level of anxiety kicked in. Um, It was definitely performance anxiety, something that I just never had as a kid. I was such a character. I loved kind of performing and being who I was my family was very very okay with me just being wild and crazy in myself so I never felt that kind of anxiety until I was an adult and it was kind of like oh wow <laughs> you know after over analyzing everything for years and years and years now performing was something that I was terrified of I'm not sure if people know this but teaching classes even to this day my heart will flutter it's uh, an amazing feeling but I always panic always always it's the same thing with photo shoots though it's getting better over time but it's always just there but um, that was a new anxiety I had to learn to deal with it was always um, and then that also magnified my body image issues because now I was in the industry more and sharing my journey and out front in front of everybody and uh It was really easy for people to make more comments about my size and anything about anything. (laughs) Um, So I really had to start changing my habits and focusing on gaining and getting into self-care more. So to do that, I had to make the hard decision to quit teaching. I had to quit working 24-7 and I had to just stop all of the extra and just take care of me. So I did. I started um, at a new gym. I got a fresh start to focus on the inside and out. No distractions. It was very apparent to me that I had let myself get caught up in the hustle and I didn't take care of myself and how much it was affecting me long term. So I And I'm also an all or nothing person. So I just needed a total reset and I needed some time to focus on my goals. So new gym, new career, new boundaries that I set up. um, And that really set me up for the successes further down in my life once I started understanding where I needed to 
focus more of my energy. Um, this also came at a time where I was divorced from my husband and was really emotionally drained. This is the year I also went on anxiety medication because I just, my emotions were getting in the way of my life and I needed my job, especially being single now and Grand Prix super expensive. I couldn't handle the emotions and the extra help was needed. But after a few years, the side effects of the medication were making my body image worse. I still had anxiety and zero zefts for life. So all the side effects for it just really weren't worth it for me. Um, after a couple years, I gained weight without realizing why I was just in a bad place mentally. Uh, so I decided to stop them not only, and I'm not saying that that's something anyone should do by any means, but for me, I was in a better work environment or like put up, had put up my boundaries as a better space. I, you know, felt very safe in my relationship. I wasn't single, you know, I had lots of support. I had learned a lot of things. So I felt like it was a good time to kind of make that transition. So I decided to stop them. Um, and just learn how to work through my emotions um, because this just wasn't working for me. I'm just kind of not laughing because it was really terrible coming off of them. I, I, I did the mistake of coming off them fast and I was so sick for a whole week. I thought for sure I was dope sick. It was the wildest thing I've ever experienced. But once that cleared up, I started using CBD and THC when I needed to and to focus more on building so solid foundations for my body to operate properly. I'm definitely not perfect. <laughs> um, I, def I have my best days and doing good what's good for me and I feel my best, but I definitely have my bad days too where none of my tools work. Um, but I work towards now working on those foundations. I also like eating and sleeping and all those things. So making sure that my body's in a good space and not in that fight or flight or survivor modes where my anxiety resides the most. So just making sure I ground myself and doing those things that make me feel the best. Um, I also decided to stop taking hormonal birth control as I was tired of the side effects as well. And to be honest, after more than 20 years, I think that's enough. Um, I learned from people on social media, just some side effects and it made a lot of sense. And it's been about two years now. Um, and I stopped because I had a miscarriage in spring 2019 and my emotions were kind of already all over the place and the thought of just going back on birth control and putting more hormones in my body. I just wanted a clear break. So it's been two years now that I've been off nearly, um, I would say in May, June. Um, it's been two years and my body is really happy taking this break. I'm, you know, being super in tune with my body and I feel really great. I'm excited to dive deeper into those kind of things in other episodes. Um, but that's kind of like my small excitement when there is kind of now being two years completely free of pharmaceuticals and working through things naturally. That was just a goal for myself. I'm not saying that needs to be everyone's goal, but that was a goal for me and I feel really good about that. But and also a really good win for me or something I really love is while I was in the North as well, I started taking photos of family and friends in 2012 with a gifted camera for my mom. And eventually um, people started telling me to start charging. So I did just tips. I never really was really good at asking for money. I just love capturing moments and being a part of that and uh, kind of having a channel for my energy and my anxiety to kind of be creative through. Um, but I think that's why to this day, it's always been my side business is that I just I love the passion for it. I love the energy exchange it gives me and provides happiness for people and myself. And it's really hard to charge for that. This is also why I'm not a successful business owner. <laughs> I'm not necessarily in it for the business right now, just the moments and the experience. And maybe in life, if I've had enough of the corporate world, I will jump deep into it. But I, I just love um, being that person for people I care about and being able to be called upon when that's needed. 
most of my life in Grand Prairie, though, was working really hard, building my business, teaching cardio classes, and trying to be the best spouse that I could be while juggling all of this. Unfortunately, things ended with my husband in 2015 after nearly eight years of being together, and I remained single for quite and alone for quite some time. It was really terrifying to be completely alone in Grand Prairie, but it also really helped me to learn how to stand on my own two feet and to fully get a reset. I needed some time to personally figure out who I was and tried to get back to myself, who I wanted to be, and found it really easy to get caught up in trying to be this perfect person. But on the inside, I'm really messy, I'm clumsy, and I'm really far from perfect. And being a people pleaser with OCD and anxiety, that's just a formula to continually overwork to be that perfect person. Um, But after taking this time to find myself again, This big hunk of a guy came into my life like Miley Cyrus on a wrecking ball. Although I wasn't sure I was in a good place yet, the love I had for him was too strong to ignore and we've been together ever since. He's been super patient with me while I figure out my shit. I told him I was a mess and I was a chaos from day one. And this fucker insisted on sticking around, so he knew what he signed up for. (laughs) I do truly feel lucky though to have found someone who respects my worth ethic, my morals, my dreams, and my goals. He's been my number one cheerleader besides my mom, of course. And although we've been through things, we're always there for each other and we never give up. And I love the couple fans that we have for our relationship. (laughs) It makes me feel so great about it. (laughs) You know who you are out there. But in all serious, my life's turned out way better than I ever imagined it could. The holds that my mental illness had on me aren't as nearly as strong as they were before. By being open and vulnerable, I've been able to heal and learn from strictly sharing my experiences. This is why we're doing this. I've had plenty of therapy over the years in different sorts of forms, but I really prefer my peers sometimes. I'm very appreciative for that. I can't wait to connect more with everyone on deeper topics, but I think that's it for now. Let's hear what Kayla's final chunk is and let's wrap this up for today. All right, all right, all right. You know, it just doesn't stop getting good with you, girl. I'm so stoked about your life now and where you're at. And I really loved hearing that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, let's talk about me and where I'm at now. Because this is honestly, this is the this is the kicker, guys. This is where it gets so fucking good that it's like, I got the biggest shit grin on my face right now saying that. So, uh, and honestly, I, you know, looking back in my life before, I didn't know if I was ever going to be here. So you know, just had my 30th birthday and hitting that mark, man, and being where I am now in my life, it's something so strange, but I feel like it happens to all people when they hit 30, or at least that's my hope that you just reach this level of content and grown and responsible and just ready, you know, more, more ready for life and what life is. And it's truly magical to be where I am now. Uh, I moved over to the island in 2016 with my son and I started working in demolition and I, oh man, I love that. (laughs) I love getting paid to smash shit up. I loved it. But outside of that, it was also like, like a brotherhood. And even though I was a girl, I was still part of it. Like, you know, they really were accepted and that place became home to me. You know, the people there, the boss that I had, uh, it was it was life altering in one of the most magnifying ways possible for me. Uh, I really that's where everything started. Like I, I learned I learned so much by doing demolition that had nothing to do with demolition. And if you know, you know, so <laughs> 
it's pretty magical to have had that experience. And, you know, there were, it was still hard. I still, I had still had to be broken of all my shit that I brought with me. And that, you know, it, it wasn't going to go down without a fight. So of course I was, I was still a little rough around the edges and I was coming out of something that I thought literally like, how is this not going to kill me? I don't know. (laughs) One of them, one of those scenarios, one of those life things that pops up and it's like, poof, okay. All right. And you just, you know, you, you pull your socks up and you just deal and you know, that's what I did. And then I think one of the best things I ever did ever, ever, ever did was get into therapy. Uh, I got into therapy 2017, I think a year after I got here because I just couldn't, um, I just couldn't do it anymore on my own. I couldn't get out of the darkness. I couldn't pull myself out of the hole when I would get in there. And that was really hard. And there was always just like this voice in my head, even from when I was a child, it was like, you know, don't do this. What are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Like that would always just call me like indirectly on my shit. And it was like, when yourself, when your own conscience is doing that to you, it's like, fuck, wow, okay, well, I can't not listen. So you, you do what you, you make changes and you shift things around and you find a better way. And, uh, part of that has to do with my son. Like I, again, <laughs> uh, he has been my saving grace. Uh, it was like, okay, I can't, I can't be crying all the time. I can't be sad all the time. I can't be broken all the time. Like he needs, he needs me. He needs me to be something. So therapy was huge for me. Therapy was getting, getting some help, getting some direction, getting some assistance. You know, I, I gained so many healthy tools from going to therapy and talking about my life and talking about my situations and being validated in a way that was unlike anything ever before, because it wasn't, he didn't want anything from me, my therapist. He didn't expect, you know, he expected me to show up and be upfront. And that, when you think about it, that's really not that much. So of course he, yeah, I don't know. That was one of the greatest things ever. He gave me some super incredible tools to move forward. He taught me how to take down the wall and open up and trust and love and honestly cope, like cope with my life. Like he gave me so many good tools and some incredible conversations in his, in his um, office, like sitting on the couch, just going over the day or whatever, we would just have some days where, you know, some days were because of me, like I would be, I would be shifty in what I wanted to tell him. And so I was in a mood and I would go in there like that. And he would pick up on that shit right away. Like he could not pull the wool over this man's eyes. (laughs) It was like, no, you're full of shit right now. Like, tell me what's really happening. And, you know, he would pull some incredible things for me. And one of the most incredible things I think that he ever did was the beginning, like when we were building our relationship as client and therapist, uh, he just kind of opened up and shared some things with me about himself that I was like, okay, that is some hard shit. Like that's, that's hard, man. And it was kind of like, you know, he didn't do it to tit for tat or one up me. It was simply, I've seen some dark sides of the forest myself and I want to tell you that so that you understand that I'm not judging you uh, or whatever. Anyways, like, 
yeah, I, this guy was just magical. And, you know, uh, that's where things really started to shift. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get on a better path. I'm going to, I'm going to make it through and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be all these things. And it's honestly, since that decision that I chose to do that, I have become incredibly different. And also I've just shifted on my own in the way that I think. And I am, um, I call myself out and I hold myself accountable and I check, put, I put, I put myself in check for many, many things. I put myself in check all the time. Um, so yeah, on the Island, um, I love it here. Victoria is so, so, so beautiful. I, I say all the time that the coming here and witnessing the, this place in its beauty is honestly what saved also saved me like outside of therapy and my son, moving here, it was like, I felt so connected. Like I've always been here. Like this place is a part of me and that's really strange, but it's just part of my journey and where I, where I'm going and where I'm at. And, you know, I have this incredible partner that we are really always just working to be on the same level and to know like where we started and where we're at now and where I've gone from before knowing him to well, how my life is magnified knowing him, like his, him and his family, they're just absolutely incredible people. They, they let me, they brought me, they took me in like I was their own and they gave me a place and they taught me how to do so many things. Like I've learned so many things from my in-laws, uh, incredible things. So I, honest to God, a lot of everything has to do with everybody and all the pieces falling into place. And um, I'm just very grateful and so thankful that I'm here. You know, I've, I've made it. I'm, I'm 30 now. I'm moving forward. I, you know, I'm not continuing my career in the trades. I actually was, you know, I was in an accident um, in August this year and that really changed a lot of things for me, but it also pushed me to shift like on another level. <laughs> um it, yeah, I don't know. I just, that was uh that was a game changer. And since then it's been like, whoa, nuts. I decided, Hey, like, I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And you know, it was an idea. I remember it being a, a spoken idea. You guys will hear me say this a lot. And like, you'll, you'll be like, wow, okay. This is uh really like a broken record or you'll really resonate with it. But, um, we, I talked about it verbally, wanting to do what I'm doing. Then I put it in writing. And then next thing I know, I am going to school and my job of choice would, is my, well, my, sorry, my course that I'm taking. There we go. Let's get through that. The course that I'm taking is actually for community support work and social services. So very, 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 very fitting of me and myself and you know, uh, well, actually that yes and no, like many people say like, yeah, you, you, this suits you, this really suits you. Um, I thought that my life cho choice was like, you know, construction trades demo. I was a welder before and I did all these things and I was such a, such a hard ass really. And I'm just like done fighting and I want to fight for something that I truly believe in. And like this, this is funny too, with the podcast, both of us are like, Hey, like, you know, we talked about it and then it got in writing and then boom, here we are. Like, look what we're doing. We're sitting here talking about our childhood, our teens, our twenties and where we are now. And the most, one of the other most magical things about my now is what I'm doing with Brandy, like 
coming together with her on this to connect and open a platform and create this community is truly something magical. And I really just, I'm thankful for it. And thank you, Brandy, for, you know, pulling this all together this way. And I really appreciate it. And I think that's that. Oh, goodness, Kayla. I just, listening to your story, you definitely almost had me in tears a few times. And I love how you said your story's vanilla. And I'm just sitting here being like, no, girl, I'm vanilla. (laughs) Uh, But thank you so much for sharing. I feel like we get to know each other more and more. And then the flip times, I feel like we've known each other forever. So it's just been, it's been really great adventure. Um, So thank you again. And I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode too, where we dove a little bit deeper into some of our experiences There's absolutely no way we could talk about everything in one episode, but we plan on being super honest and real with you going forward, guys, especially starting uh, with our next episode. Yeah, so our next episode, guys, we're going to take a deep dive into body image. We're going to go over our polls and questions for each other. And then after that, we'll have guest appearances. So excited. So thrilled. So excited. Stay tuned, guys. We have a lot more coming to you very, very soon. Have a good day. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you guys so much for stopping by today. We appreciate you so, so much. If you like this episode and you want to hear more or be updated with episode drops, please make sure to send us some love on our Instagram page, the Be Real Babe podcast. Give us a follow and stay tuned for more realness coming to you next week. Until next time, babes.